Ross Ulbricht is serving a double life sentence without parole for all nonviolent charges for creating a website. Please help free this peaceful man. Go to freeross.org and sign and share the petition. So it's little wonder that smart shoppers everywhere take time out to pause and refresh. And where else but in the fountain where they serve ice-cold Coca-Cola? Militia Podcast, Episode 34, International Women's Day Roundtable. Enjoy, fuckers. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the E-Militia Podcast, hereforth known as the She-Militia Podcast. (laughs) I'm here with several of the ladies, several of the Liberty Community's loveliest ladies for a special International Women's Day episode. We're going to start with Ms. Buckles and go around the table. Everyone's going to introduce themselves and tell you how they found the Liberty community. Ms. Buckles. Hi. Uh, Yeah, Ms. Buckles. Um, I'm on Instagram and Titter. uh, Titter. (laughs) 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 First edit or not. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Right. Oh, it's the she militia. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Miss underscore Buckles, <laughs> the Titterverse. And uh, <laughs> I actually have only recently found myself in the online liberty community. Um, I didn't really know it existed. I've been super uh, apolitical for a majority of my adult life. And ever since high school, you know, you saw some hypocrisy and bureaucracy in the sports because I was a jock and I was like this doesn't work (laughs) and uh so I was a little bitter early on and actually one of my goals out of high school was to be on as little government paperwork as possible (laughs) like I was gonna get like a van a dog a gun and just like gypsy around the country like work here and there and then universe had other plans so I'm on lots of government paperwork now (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I was I've always been super apolitical, you know, I just kind of smiled through political conversations, knowing like the system didn't work for various reasons. And um, I actually went down like a more like conspiracy minded route in terms of like, nice. Yeah, finding my way <laughs> through the um, like I had heard of the Libertarian Party and like the Tea Party and things like that. But again, because it was political, I was like, la, 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 I don't care. That's some garbage, whatever. And I also avoided social media pretty heavily. And like I said, only recently did I get into it because of a side job that I have. I had to do the social media for that. So I decided to make, well, I already had the account. I just never utilized it. So I hopped on myself, somehow found a page um, that was linked to Seaburn Boo Boy. And I started looking into that information and then Hong Kong popped up. And I started looking into that and then 
rabbit hole really hard. (laughs) (laughs) And now I am, you know, making sandwiches for the boogaloo and posting anarchist propaganda. And I'm an agent of chaos and a proud insurgent. And (laughs) meme insurgency is a new trend and I'm enjoying it very mucho. So I've enjoyed the conversations I've had. And if anything, it's given me um, the proper conversational ammunition to have these conversations with other people and that's what I want is I this can be an echo chamber as we're all well aware of and I like being able to have conversations with the normies and the boomers I was like that before with my conspiracy stuff but I just you need that right (laughs) way to bring it up and I have enjoyed having good you know ammunition whether it's actual books education meme humor you know garbage meme humor even works (laughs) so that's kind of where I've been at now and like I said I've met you know I actually met people in real life. I went to my own um, Second Amendment rally here in Arizona and um, shook real life hands and made real connections. And that's what I've also wanted to do is, you know, I'm not big into the gun scene or anything like that, um, but I grew up in Arizona. So it's actually just part of, you know, kind of our culture. And so, so you hear all these <laughs> other people and their struggles and I'm like, oh, snap, I'm spoiled. Like, what do you mean that not everybody just carries and has a bazillion guns in their home? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So it's been a good, like, we need to bridge those gaps, and I'm here to do that, so. Do you have a favorite conspiracy, favorite conspiracy theory? <laughs> um, I'm, I am a big fan right now of, like, D-Wave quantum computing, like, I'm into that, CERN. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no? <laughs> Yeah, the Large Hadron Collider. Look into that. Yeah, I like CERN. I don't like yeah. CERN, but I'm in, like looking into that stuff at the moment. <laughs> My tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to go back to the the list order, Allie? Do you want to tell us how okay. you became a libertarian and, or well, welcome to the liberty community. <laughs> Sure. So this is Allie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both as Allie Jill Tennessee, TN. Um, So for me, I was pretty conservative most of my life. I grew up in a really conservative family, despite being from New Jersey, which is kind of odd. But um, so in 2016, when it was Clinton versus Trump, I kind of became really disillusioned with the whole thing. And I started listening to a lot of podcasts, um, especially comedian podcasts. One of those being Ari Shafir's, and once a year he does a State of the Union with Dave Smith, who I'm sure most of you know. Uh, and so then I, from listening to that, he made a lot of sense to me. So I jumped to listening to his podcast and branched out from other people he included. And that kind of brought me into the Liberty community. And I was a small L libertarian for a while, <laughs> um, all the way up until October of last year. And the only reason that I decided to get involved with the LP was with this whole movement to replace the chair and get somebody who's kind of principled out there as opposed to um, some sort of like status reject who they usually run. <laughs> so, but I do consider myself an anarchist and that's the only reason that I got involved with them. So, um, Like um, and, one of the Mises Caucus folks? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, cause I, because I came in through Dave Smith and I initially thought like the Mises Caucus people were like the cool ones for the crowd. I still think that. <laughs> they are. <laughs> But, but apparently there are a lot of people who don't think that. And I found that out uh, within the past few months. <laughs> so, 
in all the deal dealings with like other caucuses, some of them are just like not as nice. And a lot of people think that the Mises caucus is, is not great. <laughs> Um, but I like them. I really like Michael Height. I, I like Michael Height, especially since he's a Philly area guy, um, and that's the area I'm from. So, and they also had back like Mosh Ray, and I like him, and I like Dave Smith, and I liked, you know, uh, I think Pete from Freeman Beyond the Wall was also one of those who joined to do the same thing. So, I was inspired by all of them <laughs> to do that. Please put like Tom Woods on this pedestal, like way up there. And then recently I've seen all the hate he gets and I'm just like, what on earth? Where is that coming from? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently like there are a lot of people in the LP, especially like on the left side, from what I've seen anyway, um, who have this whole thing that who will say like the Mises caucus people are like racist and white supremacist. And it's just, it's insane. It's wild. It really is. <laughs> I think it's insane. <laughs> It is definitely. Yeah, because he's addressed, I think it was like because he was involved somewhere with like some some conservative group back in the day, which he's addressed several times on his podcast, but people still bring that up all the time. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know you've been on our podcast before, but you can go ahead and tell them your origin story anyway. All right. My name is Carrie Wedler. I make YouTube videos. I'm on Instagram. I'm on the hellhole of Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm banned from Twitter. And I have not made a new account. Um, and I'm on all the cool decentralized platforms too, like Steemit and Mines and Float, which is a cryptocurrency-based app um, or platform. Anyway, um, I came to the freedom movement in 2011. So I'm from, I guess, like what's Mordor to most libertarians. I'm from California. I'm from Los Angeles. And... <laughs> I thought I wanted to be in like Hollywood. I thought I wanted to like write scripts or something. I don't know. I had no direction after college. But I was a huge Obama supporter and I was like in the belly of the beast and I just was bored. So I was like, hmm, I should like see what's going on in the world because I didn't pay attention because that's what a lot of statists do. And I was very quickly radicalized, but I was kind of just angry. And then a friend introduced me to Dr. Ron Paul. And I spent the summer of 2011 up until like 4 a.m. watching rompawflix.com. If anyone remembers, that is not a website anymore, but it used to just be like a vault of Ron Paul speeches and interviews, like everything Ron Paul, like it was on there. And I just spent the summer just being filled up with Ron Paul optimism and reason and principle. And I made my first video for Ron Paul in 2011 for his 2012 campaign. And then... Um, after he got screwed over is when I became an anarchist because I realized <laughs> no one like him is ever going to win. If somebody like Bernie Sanders is being attacked, like as if someone like Ron Paul could ever win the nomination. Mm -hmm. and then, obviously, I came to it from a philosophical standpoint of like, I don't have the right to pick leaders for other people and have it enforced through violence. But <laughs> I wasn't there then, but it's been a long road and I don't see myself going back. I like how a lot of the polistas from that time like the Ron Paul flicks, like they can just recall all these, like if somebody's like, oh, one time Ron Paul said this and everybody <laughs> who was a poly said, they're like, oh yeah, that was this debate yeah. this time in response to this person's question. <laughs> we did our research. Yeah, because it made such an impression on us. Yeah, I mean, everything he said, I just remember there's this one clip and he was talking about Operation Ajax when the CIA and like British intelligence overthrew the Iranian leader in 1953. And I was like, he said that because that was sort of, that was something I had read in like a paragraph in high school in my public 
school history textbook. And it's like, oh, let's just gloss over this. And I remember thinking at the age of like 16, 17, I was like, huh, that seems kind of shady, you know, but then to hear Ron Paul say it in a public forum, like it was awesome and so exciting and really inspiring. So he's definitely the reason I do what I do. How about you, Lady Voluntary? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but I really don't go on there very much with uh, my Lady Voluntary account, but it's just at Lady Voluntary. Um, I grew up pretty liberal for the most part. Like, my parents were pretty liberal, and I grew up in a small town, and I've always been kind of a contrarian anyway, and so everybody here was, like, really conservative, so, like, I really clung to that, like, liberal side. Um, and then in college, you know, obviously you're just like, everything's pretty liberal there. So it was like, it just felt like that's, that was just like just the natural path for me. And then when Obama was running for president, I was like obsessed with him. Um, <laughs> and then I met my husband, I think the last year of college and he was, he leaned pretty libertarian at that time. And like, we didn't really talk about politics that much and it never really was like a huge part of my life or anything, but like we would just start like talking about like having conversations about like legalizing drugs and stuff. And I would just be like, Oh, you can't legalize all drugs. Like that's ridiculous. Everybody <laughs> would just start doing drugs. And then, you know, it's like, well, would you start like shooting up heroin if it was legal? And I'm like, uh, I guess not. No, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, little conversations like that would kind of add up over time. And then it was really like the last presidential election when it came down to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and I, even when I was, like, super liberal, I never really liked Hillary Clinton, so I just, like, I was, like, okay, well, I can't vote for her, and then, you know, Donald Trump is, like, just a joke to me, it was, like, there's no way I would vote for him, and then, so that's when I kind of got introduced to the Libertarian Party, and so for as much shit as, like, um, Gary Johnson gets for not being a true Libertarian or whatever, like, he, like, they, a lot of his stuff made more sense to me than the other two candidates so that's who I listened to and I was like oh this guy makes sense and then at that time I started watching like Stossel's show and like when his show went off the air I started watching Kennedy's show and then from there like Dave Smith was the guest and Michael Malice was a guest all the time and I was just like wow these guys like make a lot of sense and then like it's like that meme like when you go it was like what's the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist six months like that's like pretty much exactly <laughs> how it went with me so it just kind of went down the rabbit hole, found all these different Facebook groups. You know, you, I would see the debates between like minarchy and anarchy and like, like the anarchy thing just started like making sense to me. And then I just started reading all these different philosophers and I was like, okay, this is like amazing. Like how has nobody ever told me about this before? Like this is the most beautiful philosophy I've ever heard in my life. Like why is it like, why, why is this not like mainstream? So like ever since then, I've just been like obsessed with it. And then I started my like lady voluntary account just to have like, a more radical outlet so as to not like scare my family members away on social media <laughs> and yeah so that's pretty much where I'm at now and I'm just obsessed with it and won't stop reading about it and talking about it so yeah <laughs> I think we're probably all a bit like that here <laughs> <laughs> and then Ashley from Think Change Repeat how about you So I, um, I am on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on Instagram at think.change.repeat and on Twitter at think.change, or it may be think underscore change underscore two. And <clears throat> the way that I came to the 
anarchy movement was because, um, well, I w- grew up in a really conservative environment. Um, it was pretty hardcore conservative. And I, I guess I always kind of sympathized with that, although I really didn't pay very much attention to politics. I certainly didn't, you know, dig deep. And I, I believed, you know, um, the lies, essentially. Like, I thought legitimately when I was in college and 9-11 happened that <clears throat> that President Bush was a good person, you know? And now it makes me laugh so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you fell for it big time. Um, so then... You know, years go by and I, this is a weird story, but I ended up, I was getting a tattoo and the guy that was doing my tattoo was a hardcore anarchist. And so like everything I said, he had something to say back. And I think he even forced me to watch like a Bush CIA um, (laughs) documentary while I was getting my tattoo. That's so libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I even remember like thinking you know or kind of having questions about what he was saying but I I just kind of listened to him you know it didn't upset me or anything like that and I just thought it was interesting and I just um had had a relationship with him just through that work over a couple of years and the last time I went back to him you know it was the same stuff and I we even talked about legalizing marijuana and at one point um I thought you know well they should legalize it but they should um charge taxes or whatever and (laughs) which oh my god it's just so stupid but um at that time that's what I thought well so these seeds were planted and I followed him on Facebook and then he would share things from time to time from the free thought project and so then I would follow them and although I still was really not that into it I was seeing the things that they were saying I was like yeah this makes so much sense, you know, and especially got to me when they would post one of their memes that was like, if you think da 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 da, da instead of da 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 da, then you might be a hypocrite. Or when they're like, here's an idea for you to ignore. And <clears throat> so those things, you know, they made me think. And then at one point I got on Twitter, I was following um, Matt Agaris from the Free Thought Project, and then it was recommended that I follow Sal Mayweather. And then that was it. It was nice. that I found. <laughs> um, I found Empress's account right around the same time that she was creating the account on Insta, and but you know, <laughs> yeah, and that was that was it. It was game over. I was like, you know, burn it down. <laughs> and I Did tried you... to make memes. Oh, just you know, I mean. Some are okay and some really suck, but I'm just like, I just keep chipping away and hoping that maybe it will make some kind of a difference, you know, um, in, in the movement or make somebody laugh and, or make a good point like the Free Thought Project did or like Sal's memes, you know. The meme lord. <laughs> the yeah, meme lord, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you skip your minarchy phase? Kind of, Yeah. Because I was just sort of um, ambivalent, you know, and sort of not really into it. And then, you know, although I had had these these thoughts along the way, nothing really came together for me. And then it was like, once seriously, once I found his account, that was it. 
So I thought we would just talk about, we'll get started with like everybody's thoughts on just the best path to liberty. I know it differs. Some people think, uh, you know, some sort of violent revolution. Uh, there's like agorism and there's the Mises caucus. And I just thought um, we don't have to go around the table or anything like that. You could just chime in with whatever thoughts you might have on the subject. So, <laughs> what do you guys think? Okay, I'll go oh, first. Because... I, okay. Oh, okay. no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, like, I know with a lot of anarchists, you know, they give the LP a lot of crap because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, like, voting is violence or whatever. And I'm just, like, not one of those anarchists who thinks that. You know, I'm kind of, like, more, like, with Spooner, like, people do it as a self-defense. Of course, if you're voting for people who are going to try to control, you know, people's lives, that's like unethical in my opinion. But like for me, like in most people, if they if they want some kind of change, they're going to be paying attention to the political system. So as much as I don't think the LP is necessarily going to make a lot of changes themselves, I think that it is a good way to communicate like the libertarian philosophy. So I think putting people like like the Mises Caucus, like putting people like Jacob Hornberger out there who will actually like. Mm -hmm you know, be philosophically sound and like make sense and not like, not like back down or anything on like, you know, stupid things like bake the cake and stuff like that. Like, I think, you know, having people out there and like, obviously, you know, people who like, um, I don't know, just like, yes, like if the Mises caucus is out there putting out like just like hardcore libertarians, I think that's like a great way for people to like learn about the philosophy because a lot of people don't even know like what a libertarian is. You know, they just think it's a Republican who smokes weed or whatever. So I think I think it's just a good way because if, if we're going to need to, like, if we actually want change, we do have to change people's minds. And right. in order to do that, you have to at least introduce them to the philosophy. And then I, I just think that's, like, a really great way to do it. I don't think it's going to – I don't think the um, party itself is going to actually make the changes, but I think it's a good way to start the conversation. Agreed. Yeah, soft handoff. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I have like a completely other thing to add because I kind of get on my soapbox about it on my Instagram stories and um, in DMs. I haven't really made any, I've made a couple videos about it, but for me, I genuinely believe that even for anarchists, whether it's a status, an anarchist, libertarian, like people need to get into some emotional healing and consciousness because mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you just look at like any random video of a status freaking out about the political <laughs> world and like yes there's reason to be angry even if you have a terrible solution and you think it's great but like <laughs> what i found after making videos i didn't really get into any of this until a few years ago and when i think back on the original videos i made like i'm so angry and i'm so filled with rage and like yeah okay cool like innocent people are dying yes there's reason to be angry but when i kind of got deeper into like where my emotions were coming from, a lot of it had nothing to do with the external world. Like this was my childhood. This was my family life. And I find talking to a lot of anarchists and activists, like the people who are the loudest often have some sort of conditioning in their younger years that led them to like really feel a need to stand up for the innocent and a strong need to be heard. And I think that's amazing and it's beautiful, but I, we can have all the external mechanisms for freedom, but if people are still caught in emotions, and I'm speaking from experience, like I don't want to talk like I'm preaching because like <laughs> this has been my lesson for years and years now. Like <laughs> if you're still caught in reactive emotions, like you're going to fall victim to other things and you're not going to be free. 
So it's a really yeah. uphill hill battle, but I think it's really essential for the long-term survival of freedom. Like we could have it tomorrow. We could, the government could collapse, but like if people are still raging, yeah. I think there's a good chance we're going to wind up back with statism. Well, it's right. unproductive. So, yep. Yeah. It's unproductive energy. You're yeah. Yeah. You're just ranting and that's great, but what are you doing with it? Right. And you're not bringing people to your side when you're doing Correct. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's something that I still struggle, struggle with is in conversations with people. Like I, I get, I find myself getting really, really agitated about it. And I know I'm like, this mm-hmm. is, this is so dumb. This is not helping the cause at all. Right. That's actually one of the subjects that I wanted to bring up was like that angry side of the conversation and why that's like a deterrent to a lot of the newcomers. When people just look like they want to label us as like, you know, kind of extreme and out there because we seem like we are, you know, but we've just shaken that conditioning from before for whatever reason and change doesn't come unless you're uncomfortable. So if people are still comfortable, they're not willing to even listen. They're okay with their system. They're not hurt by it. You know, and there's that whole like adage, like, well, it doesn't affect me. And then everybody says yet until it affects, you know, well, I don't care because it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And so to get those conversations started with those people who are still comfortable you know, you don't necessarily want to be confrontational and you can't be angry because they're like, why are you so mad about it if you're right? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, because there's so many bad things, but people also don't like bad things and they don't want to be uncomfortable. And cognitive dissonance is a real thing in multiple areas, not just politically Mm -hmm. and, you know, societally. And so how do you, you have to like literally meet everybody where they're at. It's kind of hard to just have Mm -hmm. a, like one way that you can talk to somebody like you have to know that person to bridge these kinds of topics sometimes and like what they can handle and can't handle yeah and like feed them you know like baby spoon them or there's there might be that one person that you can like spam with all of your crazy memes and they're like oh my gosh yeah but see I also learned that because like I said I came from the conspiracy side (laughs) so (laughs) you know broaching certain topics with some people you're like yeah we're never gonna have that conversation (laughs) but other people you're like you need to know and this is real world daily effects for people and that's part of it you know so how do you have those conversations I guess is my question with in the positive way like how do you bring the positives not just like because we know how great the ideologies are and we see how they could work but when people are because I've had conversations actually at the rally with a few you know as we call them boomers and buds but um, you know, the carrot that's like, are you Antifa? You know, because you have your face mask up and you're like, no, it's, I'm buying an exhaust pipe, girl. Like, it's fine. <laughs> but how do you have, they're already like on the attack because you're, you're have a, you're holding a sign that says something they don't like because they're just listening to the one news thing, you know? So right. like, how do you, you know, I kind of got off topic with Karen, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, that's. It's, you for a lot of those it's um they don't see a problem and some of them are almost like the, a few of them I've talked to it's almost like they're a little bit of the doomer because they're like well how's it, it's too big how do you change it mm-hmm. and you're like right 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 here right now having this conversation with you is the start because even my own mom was like well what's the answer what is it you know what is, and I'm like I don't know yeah, but us having the conversation is the start and that's my only answer and that's what we want to try to do Absolutely. I get really frustrated with the uh, like policing and I just mm-hmm. want people to immediately meet me where I am, which is pretty radical. And um, 
I know that some people, they don't even want to believe that some cops are bad, but like with my aunt, she was that way. It was like, well, you know, they're just trying to do their job the best they can with the tools that they have. And it took actually getting her into various like cases, like uh, where the police railroaded a suspect and they did like whole podcasts on it. And then finally she would see like, oh, wow, there are some that are kind of corrupt. So some people it takes a little bit longer than, you know, where we just had one moment and it clicked. Um, but it's worth taking that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that's a big one. Law enforcement is a big one for people. They do not want to believe that the people that they put literally their lives in their hands could abuse them and flip on them at like any moment. Right. Well, if you think about it too, like a lot of people are raised that way to where you look up to them and they're heroic and they're here to save you. Correct. I mean, whether it be in school or your parents or your family, I mean, so it's kind of hard to shake that when you've been taught that your entire life. Yes, right. they're, you know, yeah. Automatic respect they're granted no matter what. Exactly. Right. Unquestionable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not allowed to question it. And the propaganda is everywhere. You know, it is yeah. everywhere yep. and you yes. don't see it until you see it you know what i mean and then it's like oh my god you you know you can't watch a television show or, or whatever where the cops and the military aren't being glorified mm -hmm. so it's really the conditioning is so deep yeah my t yeah my town was voted most patriotic by like readers i just we have so many parades and like our veterans like we'll carry them in on our shoulders and stuff it's nuts so here it is and very heavy, like on our police department is garbage for multiple reasons, not just the fact that they're law enforcement. And many in the Arizona are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, and it's bad. And so but you you still you still can't like they're die hard. You can't speak ill of them. Them are the military, you just can't. So and for my profession, I really can't. <laughs> but I've had really good conversations with officers and detectives, you know, and I've gotten them to admit themselves like it's, you know, it's just a job. Well, that's you're in a place literally to like save lives and protect people and you choose. It's just a job. Like, that's awful. That's even worse than like being an asshole sometimes. Excuse my language. But, yeah. you know, and like being lazy, go stock shelves at Walmart, especially as like a detective of person crimes. You know, that's one of the facets of law enforcement that, you know, I tiny hang on to and I know I'm in the field, but, um, you know, solving crimes where people are truly hurt by people, because obviously we all know people do evil crap to each other all the time. And, you know, these are women, children, elderly people who are hurt and you can't be bothered to get out of bed because it's your day off, like ridiculous. So, it, you know, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I get heated about law enforcement because it and I work alongside them and I'm like you need to do better because people do depend on you like you literally have blood on your hands not because you directly killed somebody which we have that we have so many police shootings in our town for what we you know our population size mm -hmm. we shouldn't and but you, because you didn't do due diligence on that first case now that child is dead you know and like because mm -hmm. you didn't do that here this child is still abused or this person was sexually assaulted or this woman continues to be beaten and it's literally because you don't want to do the paperwork like, that's almost as worse as, you know, hitting her yourself. Mm -hmm. When you're literally supposed to protect her, people go to you to protect them. So, and actually some of these conversations with people help, you know, get that started. Like, oh, it's just a job for them. They really aren't looking out for you. 
Mm-hmm. But those are, are the military. Sorry, no. no, no, <laughs> Sorry. Just, those are the two. <laughs> I think those are, like we said, kind of that last vestige to get people to really, people can hate politicians because they see that pretty easy, but you want people to protect you, make you feel safe, and they really don't. What are some tools that you guys use to just like, if somebody's just being like really hard headed, but they're kind of reachable, like what do you do to like get to them? I guess. And I like for me, I like to recommend books. Like if I don't know, like mm-hmm. if they're being stubborn, um, and they, I just like to have various books for different topics, like the police and the military and the courts and all of those different things. So I learned, so I took Larkin Rose's seminar called Candles in the Dark, and it's available online now. He just did his last in-person one, I think forever, but he's making it available online. And something really valuable that I learned there is one, like, just to like preface this, is like, statists are victims of the programming. You know, like, they're not mm-hmm. all bad people. They're just like indoctrinated. And so, which is kind of a judgmental way to say it, but like, they've been filled with this belief system. And so a lot of what's covered in this seminar is like asking questions. So you're not telling people what to think, but you're asking them questions about their own morality to show them the inconsistency between their beliefs and the state. And when I have tried it, especially in my personal life, it's worked really well. Like I was doing this with my sister right after I did the seminar and she was like, how come you didn't say it this way before? <laughs> well, no, Cause I didn't know I had to learn, but yeah. I find that asking questions cause most people they can see like, okay, if I don't have the right, to kill or steal, then how do I delegate that right to someone else? A lot of people can see that you can't. And of course, like they're gonna be they're gonna be people who are like, oh no, violence is okay to get what you want. And at that point, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like okay, I'm, we're done. I'm not somebody else can work with you. I'm not doing it anymore. But um yeah, because people I and I'm not gonna obviously collectivize, but a lot of people are good and they're confused and it's not their fault. So mm-hmm. also what's worked really well for me is before I leave any comments. I do like an edit for meanness and I cut out like all my sassiness because it tends to just like flow. So like before I hit post, I'm like, eh, I don't really need that. Okay, fine. Like, and that's yeah. worked pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We talked about that. Cause that's one of the strategies I use in counseling. Like I know what you need, but you need to figure out what you need. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. Asking questions is usually how I do it too. Cause then it's not so much like I'm telling you what you've come to that conclusion yourself. <laughs> Yeah, and I think if you're talking about like a specific issue, like I was just reading a book by Harry Brown, and he he, made a good point. Yeah, he made like a good point that was like, okay, so if you're talking to somebody just about like a specific issue, you can't just like start by telling them they're like morally wrong because they're just gonna like, (laughs) they're just gonna be like, um, no, that's not you. That's not true. Like I'm a good person. That's I'm not being immoral. And so like if you take like I don't know like abortion for example, and like somebody who's anti-abortion. And I think there are great arguments on both sides. But, like, if you take someone who is anti-abortion and thinks the state should, like, you know, you know, control, like, who can get an abortion or who can't or whatever, um, you know, just be like, okay, so, yeah, I agree. Abortion is wrong. But do you think the state is the best to, like, try to limit abortions? Like, you've seen their war on drugs. You've seen the war on terror. You've seen, you know, the war on poverty. And, like, it obviously hasn't changed any of these things so what makes you think a war on abortion would actually like lessen abortion and so mm-hmm. i think you have to, have to like get on their level and then like make a point to try to agree with them at some point get on their level and then from there you can kind of like give them a utilitarian aspect of it and then like 
eventually once they see that it's like easier to, I think, to bring up like the moral aspect of it. Yeah. That's a good point to make actually, because I know like if somebody told me, oh, you're morally wrong, I'm instantly going to shut down and get a little bit mad right. probably. Exactly. <laughs> and then I think like social Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, like, and then social media, like, it's got its ups and downs. Like, if you're having a conversation with somebody in person, it's a lot easier to just like be civil about it and just like have a good mm -hmm. conversation. Yes. Where on social media, obviously, you can just you're just like, okay, you're I don't know you. I'm just gonna tell you how stupid you are. But then there's also <laughs> a positive side to social media, like what you were saying, Carrie. Like, I'll start by just like typing like the most like okay, you are so dumb. How can you believe this? Like, blah, blah, blah. Just like so angry. And I'm just like, okay, I need to change this, take this out. And like, it's, it makes it easier to like, a, like think about, take a breath. All right. Here's a more like, you know, carefully constructed argument. So I don't like, I'm not trying to talk down to you, even though I think you're completely wrong. So there's ups and downs, I think, with social media for sure. And the cool thing too is that other people see that. So like you're not just engaging with the person who's being rude exactly. or like being really hard headed. Like who knows how many people are reading the comments quietly, not liking anything and not commenting, but they're just taking it all mm -hmm. in. So like I don't see any downside to like being civil. <laughs> it's taken oh, me a while yeah. to learn this, but yeah, I've arrived sure. here yeah. and I'm staying. 100%. Well, that <laughs> yeah. was me. I was a lurker forever. <laughs> then I got involved, well, but before I just read what, you know. Yeah, and like I'll have I'll have conversations with people like strangers like on social media, and like I they're, I'm not going to change their mind. They're like there's nothing about it. But then I'll get like um, DMs from people like from like high school who I haven't talked to in years, and they'll just be like, "Hey, just want to let you know I've been like reading your posts," and they're like, "It's nice to see a different perspective." And I'm just like, "Okay, this is awesome. Like this just That's gives me great. more reason to like keep doing it." Yeah, I love it. It's like okay. Because there's so many times where you're just in arguments and it's just completely like, it's like, oh, I just feel so hopeless sometimes. But then you get like messages <laughs> like that. It's like, oh, that's so great. Like, thank you so much. Like, I'm glad somebody's getting something out of it, even if it's like, you know, not very many. I don't know. You just really never know who's listening. I know like there will be mm -hmm. people who I don't really recognize their username and they'll reach out and they're like, you've totally changed my perspective on this. And I'm like, it makes me so thankful <laughs> that yeah. I can actually, you know, like sometimes there, I have hot button issues where I just want to be like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, stop talking. <laughs> but then I'm like, that's not going to do any good. So I will like kindly explain it. And that I think that reaches the kind of people I want to reach. Right. Yeah. Allie, did you have something? <laughs> yeah, no, what I was going to say before is it, it kind of depends too on where people are coming from originally. So like if you're dealing with somebody who's more on the left versus the right, I mean, you can argue about the spectrum all you want, um, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you're, they're going to be coming from a different place. And uh, if somebody's more emotional, you kind of have to hit them with that. Whereas somebody who's more, who wants to take in the facts, providing them with that information might turn turn them towards uh, or be sympathetic towards your ideology or your ideas right um Absolutely. So that, that was my thinking it just depends on where people are coming from too and acknowledging that and trying to get them where they're at and bring them to your side you know <laughs> absolutely there have been a couple times on twitter i've seen um 
I know specifically Jared from Biting the Bullet, he's been like atrocious to a person and they're like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> All of my walls would have been up at that point. <laughs> Maybe some people do need belligerently brought on to liberty. <laughs> Anti-state told me that at one point, you know, because I was kind of worried. I had been I rude to somebody and I was like, you know, I really need to reconsider this. It's really not how, you know, it's not the approach that I want to take. And he was like, you know, some people need that. Yeah, and I go back and forth because, like, when I'm really feeling something in a video, like, I need to get it out, and it's going to come out how it comes out. You know, like, I'm not as mean as I used yeah. to be, um, but I had one Patreon supporter who, he messaged me, like, when he pledged to me on Patreon, and he was like, you know, when I first saw your videos, I was like, who does this bitch think she is? And then he was like, <laughs> but I kept watching, and I, like, I realized I, like, you made a lot of sense. So, like, I don't know, because for me, it's like, I do have that side of me that can get really rowdy and, like, really, really worked up about it and some people like that like sure that gives comfort to people who are frustrated and they feel alone like it's nice to see someone who's speaking up and being loud about it um but i'm trying to i still don't know i'm trying to find the right balance between expressing myself authentically and also like being mindful of communication and maybe it changes from day to day like i don't have it figured out but i think i feel better about it when i'm calm like internally i feel more at peace yeah <laughs> Well, I think it would depend on your platform because like you said, you know, with your videos, there's a specific subject and you feel, you know, you feel a certain way. And so you're going to project it that way and it's going to come out how it wants. But in those, you know, specific conversations, right? you want to keep it a little more civil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but not always because some people do like that argumentative banter. And then later they're like, thank you. Like you got me thinking and, you know, you have to be able to thrive in different conversations like that whether it's con confrontation mm -hmm. I pr I don't like the word confrontation I like I'm looking for clarification you know yeah. I'm trying to yeah. clarify what I'm saying what you're saying I'm not trying to confront you and tell you you're wrong or I'm right you know yep. my hot button issues that I've realized is uh like Ross Albrick the second somebody's like well what about his murder for hires I just Ugh. Instantly, I'm like, oh, you dumb brainwashed idiot who believes everything <laughs> the government says. And then I'm like, wait, that is not going to get somebody to sign his petition. Right. <laughs> That's that think it, don't say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took a while yeah. to get to that point. <laughs> right. yeah. I, I, I have data. I tattooed do unto others on my wrist for easy reading, and it's for myself, not for others. <laughs> Because I could be pretty judgy and quick to opinion, and I learned to keep your mouth shut. Because you you don't know what somebody's going through, where somebody's at. That's my counseling, blah blah blah. But you know, you do have to know. Like I said, when you have to meet people where they're at, when you broach certain subjects, right? You know, that goes for yourself. I guess maybe don't breach certain topics when you're in a certain mood. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean that does that does work for us ladies too because I know that you know I hate to sound cliche but I get hormonal and I know things there's more stuff oh my gosh me too and I, <laughs> I have to consciously choose not to make like important decisions during certain times and 
know? <laughs> I'm going to sleep on this and think it through before I <laughs> send that email, you know? <laughs> so conversations are the same. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my friends, John Osterhout, I don't know if I said his last name right, but he does, um, he does like the videos for Soho Forum for like reason. Um, oh. He said to me one time, he asked if, is anarchy about being free or is it about being anti-state? One certainly begets the other, but in the meantime, it matters. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. I know like with Allie and she like is cool with like the Mises caucus and for myself, I struggle with um, like prosecutor elections. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know who Larry Krasner is, but he's like a DA in Philadelphia. And he's made like this huge difference. I mean, he's gotten like, he's exonerated like 12 people. He's, it's like 35,000 supervision hours that he's cut back on, like people on probation and parole. And uh, like thousands of years of imprisonment that he's like cut back on. And to me, that seems like something that's really important. If we got libertarians in those positions, it seems like it would alleviate a lot of pain for people now, whereas it might not be the most yeah. anarchist thing to do. And I wanted to know what your guys' takes on those various instances where that might um, apply. Yeah. So for me, I'm a big fan of just allying with people who have at least want to go in the direction that I want to, knowing that you know, I'll probably go further than you, but I'm okay with allying with like the Mises caucus because they're very big on like decentralization um, and trying to get things more local uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I mean, just moving in a better direction for me, I think is a good thing. I know I get shit for it online all the time, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I like that the whole, I think it's the train analogy where it's like, you can work with like minarchists and um, people locally. And then as soon as they get to their stop, you just keep going and they get off. Right. So that's my mm -hmm. position yeah. on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I work with like county attorneys, prosecutors and stuff like that. And I will say that oftentimes they don't, they go on, like there's nobody, there's no running mate. It's usually just them. That's why they get 94% of the time. Nine, oh, see, wow. I don't even have statistics. That's crazy. I just see it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you could get those people, yeah, I could see that being as much as I hate the system, it still exists and yeah. working inside mm -hmm. it, you have to, in some levels. And, you know, my dad told me early on, like, it's a lot easier to um, screw the system from the inside than to headbutt it on occasion. And so <laughs> that's one way to do it. If you can get those kinds of people to get enough, you know, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. That's just like, that's one really big place that I've always um, just really struggled with because the power, they just have so much power and it's one position where and just looking at like Larry Krasner, if you go to his website at the top, there's like a ticker of the amount of hours and or years that he's just kept people off of, out of the system. And it's just one person has done this. And it's like, right. if most of these people go unopposed. Uh, why aren't we in that space? Yeah. No, that's a good avenue. Yeah. I would have not thought of that. Mm -hmm. And I think there is like a benefit to using the system. So like, yes. 
for example, especially locally. So like my husband is on the plan commission in our city and it's like, not like, it's just like a volunteer position, but he, sometimes he'll be the only, like a business will come and be like, Hey, I want to do this on my own property. Can you please, you know, give me permission to do it. And my husband will just feel like convince everybody that, yeah, okay, whatever, obviously they can do whatever they want with their property and like say in a way where it's like, makes sense to them. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of times, like if he wasn't on that commission, there's a lot of times where they would just be like, oh, no, you can't do that because we don't like, you know, we don't like the way that looks or whatever. And it's like, so what, like, this person can't do what they want on their own property just because some, a few people don't like it or whatever. And so it's like, even like with a super local, like smaller position, I think it's good to just like get in there and like, even just like opening minds a little bit and just being like, okay, this person can do whatever they want on their own property. Something as simple as that. Agreed. Yeah. Because that avenue exists and that's a platform that people are going to look to for that kind of information. Yeah. 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 And you need to be in there because people will get railroaded and just take the status quo. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think um, one position that I saw, maybe Todd, he dropped out of the race for libertarian chair. And that was um, like the school board leader or whatever it's called. <laughs> school board president or something like that I think I don't really know how much power they have or anything like that but it seems like it can't hurt to at least drop in on those meetings have a voice oh for sure yeah 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 well I've seen those small changes even locally when you hear certain things are happening and then locals will go to the city council meeting and just sitting there and having a presence will make a change on how they vote and as much as I've been an anarchist, I have always told people that your local vote counts because I've seen it <laughs> like work, especially when it comes to like your county attorney and stuff like that. So paying attention to those things and trying to get people in those places is a good idea. Well, and locally is where you're going to find the most change or see the most change yes. in your own life. Yes. And if you can move towards a positive towards, you know, um, in anybody's life at this time, because you have to kind of be realistic, right? And what's mm -hmm. going on. And if you can do something positive in life by having, you know, these people, um, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's necessarily bad, you know. Right. Yeah, um, it's like fun. Oh, no, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I do this every time. Um, yeah, I think it's, it feels good to be black and white, you know, like to know where you stand morally and yeah. on principle. Um, but the older I get, I do find there's some gray area and like just two examples. Like there was a guy here in, I think LA, um, who did, I think he was a libertarian and he did some great work getting rid of red light tickets, like where there would be cameras and they would just like take pictures oh, yeah. and then find you. And then there's a guy, I want to say his name's Connor Boyack. I could be wrong, but somewhere in, I think in Colorado or Utah, he like got legislation through to stop the state from stopping kids from having lemonade stands without permits, you know, like, so now kids can do that. And like, that's not something I really care to do. I don't really want to wade through government. I'd rather, mm -hmm. you know, be free of it altogether. But I think people can do some really awesome things that actually maximize freedom. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and even through the judicial system, there's other ways you can help on that local level, like, please do jury duty. <laughs> yeah. like like i know everybody like literally is from birth taught how to get out of it but <laughs> there's two sides to the coin like there are innocent people sitting in jail who need to be given their trial and then there are victims who are suffering and not getting the closure that they need because 
we can't get jurors, especially in rural areas. If you think that um, your duty is stupid, you should listen to episode 373 of Free Man Beyond the Wall with Slappy Jones from the Rollo and Slappy Show. He mm -hmm. was on a jury and he did like some extremely amazing things. So listen to that episode. And if you're still against jury duty, you have no heart. No, I'm just kidding. We just, <laughs> talked to we just said, don't do that. Um, just listen to the episode. It's really good. I, I agree. I will definitely vouch for that. It was a great episode. I had listened to the one that he did before, like on the Rollo and Sloppy show. Um, and then I listened to the most recent one with Pete and it was, you know, it's powerful. They made a big difference in people's lives and he battled really, really hard to make that happen. And um, back to, to all the points that you guys are making about what the differences that can be made on, you know, a local level or um, in saving people from being going, you know, going to prison or things like that. I think, how could you argue against it? You know what I mean? Like, um, I struggle because part of me is like, well, I don't participate in the system. Like I'm not going, you know, but mm -hmm. realistically, if you have a chance to, you know, make things better and reduce harm, then I think that makes a little more sense. And, um, just like others have said, like work as, as much as you can with, with others that are willing to work with you. And you may also change hearts and minds along the way. And how could you say that that's a bad thing? Or mm -hmm. just like in the um, the political system, like with the Libertarian Party, that I know this it's a really really hot topic. But um, look at the, how many people did Ron Paul change? You yeah. know, it, it makes such a huge difference. And yes, you know, voting and I of course I know that, but but that man made a difference. You know, it was a huge mm -hmm. huge difference, and he was somebody who was you know, dealing in the, the political parties. I think that anybody who runs, they have to know that if they even get close, they're going to change the rules. Like the, the system, I guess they're going to change the rules. If you run with the hope of just changing people's minds, like someone like Ron Paul did, um, I'm not going to hate you for it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just planting that seed is good because the next time they see it again, they'll be like, Oh, because you aren't the only source. And I certainly before I thought like, no, there's no way I would participate in jury duty. I mean, that completely changed my mind. And I was like, if I have an opportunity to do it and I have an opportunity to help somebody out, especially if it's something ridiculous, like for drugs, I, I would try to do what I could do. Um, of course, I'm, I would be nervous because I don't think that I am at the point where I'm in a good position to make those arguments without getting, you know, fired up and things like that. But it's a goal of mine to get where a lot of you already are, um, to be able to, you know, to ask the questions and sort of help people get there in, in a more positive way. Absolutely. <laughs> um. <laughs> Who are some uh, ladies in the Liberty Movement that have inspired you? Uh, I will say, Carrie, your video is 
when I Aww. first started going like towards like the anarchy side, like your videos would pop up on YouTube. And I'm like, oh yeah, this girl's making sense. Oh, so I've been watching your you. videos for a while. Yeah. That's all I ever wanted. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Nothing makes me happier. Um, and for me, since I was mentioned, um, there's a woman named Angela Keaton, and she is awesome. Love I, her. Yeah, she still runs antiwar.com, I think. I'm not exactly sure what her role is, but she, when, I think it was like 2013 or so, she said something to me that made so much sense. Because I was, I was like already identifying as an anarchist, I guess, but I came from a leftist background. And I was trying to like wade through feminism. And obviously, the Democratic Party and the left, they've sort of taken up that mantle. Like Republicans don't really go on about like how they care about women's rights and whatnot, like, and like humanizing women. Um, but what she said, that like, I've made this point in other videos and I always credit her because like she's the reason I thought it, but or I, I don't know if I've made it in videos, but I, in conversation, it's like I always credit her because she said that basically what the Democratic Party does is like they reduce women to their body parts and then call it empowerment, you know, like everything becomes birth control and like, I can't, I'm a terrible woman. What's it called? Maternity leave? Yeah, that's what it's called. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like everything or abortion, like everything becomes like they're literally just objectified. And then they call that we're helping women. And it to me, it's so sexist. And that like really framed my view on feminism, because obviously I care about women, you know, like I care about mm -hmm. empowering women. But the way that she framed it in the way and what's so cool, too, is I should stop myself is like, that's not the only thing she's inspired me about. You know, like she's a very articulate, strong woman and she's an anti-war activist. And that's how I got started. Like my main issue was always war. So Angela is awesome. Um, if you don't know who she is, you should definitely look her up. And Mary Ruart is really cool too. I follow her on Instagram and I found her through you, Lady Voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's like everything that I want to be. Like she's so yeah. kind and she's articulate and <laughs> I, she's just incredible. And then Lynn Al Ulrich, Albrecht. Yeah. <laughs> she just works so hard. I don't know that she's libertarian but she's definitely prominent in the libertarian community for the work that mm -hmm. she does she's such a strong wonderful woman and she definitely deserves all the praise <clears throat> another lady that i really like is monica perez i know she's kind of been um are popping up a lot more in podcasts and stuff recently and i i originally heard her on um, pete quinonez um show and i really liked her a lot and i tried to now to all of her all of her work and she was on um part of the problem with dave smith recently and she's just a really intelligent lady and has a lot of good things to say i think so i really like like her yeah i was gonna say too i think kennedy she on fox business like she's like kind of a vanilla libertarian but i think she's a great gateway to like the philosophy in general and if you want to look at like um like anarchists, like old school anarchists, like Emma Goldman. She's anti-capitalist, but she's like badass and just like anti-state and just like a good spokesperson for anarchy. Caitlin Johnson's the same way. She's anti-capitalist, but she has such amazing anti-war takes that I power through the other stuff. Same. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many more women in this community now than there were a few years ago. Like. It's so exciting to see and it feels so good. Like, especially like when you go to these conferences, like I just gravitate towards the women because like, I love men, cool. And like, there's no shortage of men in this movement, but it's so cool just to have like a little bit more feminine energy. You know, I'm really grateful for that. And it's the, I think there's a lot 
to be said for like adding a little more compassion and men can be compassionate too. Um, but I just love having this little community of ladies. So thanks to all of you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Same seas. Same. I agree. Yeah. Having, and most of us in this are more compassionate in my opinion, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, so. And I can be like really not compassionate too. So I'm not trying to make this like a gender thing. You know? like, I can be quite cold and like F you, but um, it's just nice to have, I like, I, my, like in my real life, my girlfriends are really important to me and it's nice to, to have them in this community too. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, it was like, BR called me yeah. a compassionate asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I took that as a compliment. <laughs> But we are few and far between and, you know, for various reasons. And sometimes it's hard to have conversations. I mean, even like somebody legit thought I was a catfishing as a gentleman (laughs) (laughs) until they heard me on the last episode. And so um, why would I go to that kind of effort? And (laughs) it's kind of silly like that. But even for, you know. There's a certain, like, we've organized and other things for, like, the two-way rallies and stuff. And, like, Snapchat was one of those avenues. And I joined my local one. And a lot of them are young. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) they, like, I, you know, there's a joke in the Boogaloo community about toes. And a toe (laughs) picks, as I'm sure some of you are aware. And they legitimately wanted toe picks because they thought, one, I was a fed, and then, two, I wasn't a female. (laughs) <laughs> and they were just so distrustful like I got almost got voted off the island like they're going to shut down the whole chat because a female came in to talk <laughs> to help make sure you guys eat you know and <laughs> I did recently little... hear that it was an actual rumor that feds didn't have toes <laughs> oh my god wow what did they have toes <laughs> Um, okay, so I think a good thing to talk about is what are your guys' thoughts on the so-called boogaloo? Mm. I mean, I, I don't want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like staunchly in the camp that thinks it's like, if it's taken further, like if you think it's any more than just a meme, like, please don't. <laughs> yeah, <You're> right. <laughs> it's just a meme. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just agree. feel like there's been a lot of violent revolutions throughout history, and we still have like rampant statism. So <laughs> I appreciate yeah. the idea, uh, and I'm glad a lot of anarchists like would be willing to put their lives on the line in that sense. But I'm not sure that like some of them, I won't say all, I don't want to collectivize, but I think some people haven't really thought it through. And like just to bring it back to what I was talking about earlier about like emotional awareness and consciousness, like mm-hmm. without that, like you can kill all the feds you want, like you're going to end up with a government again. I like the concept of just of the dis, like discontent. <laughs> like that's what drew me to it, you know? And then, like I yeah. said, I do have a lot of friends who are in the, like the gun community. So obviously that's big there. With, um, but for me, it was just that like, oh, all of these people also realize that like, this isn't okay. And, right. you know, there are other peaceful options that we can explore first. And like, um, I want to say it was, uh, Seaburn Book Boy on a recent podcast who had said, like, when everybody says, um, you know, well, nobody's ever, there's never been a peaceful alternative, or we've, right. So why don't we try to do that if it's always been violent? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be the first. Like, America is kind of a pioneer. Why can't we try it that way? Why can't we just subvert the state instead of 
trying to mm-hmm. hang people. I mean, I know I'm the worst offender. Like, girls love guillotines. Like, I love my <laughs> shit and I, and I love my memes. And I love just that culture of humor. But it does bring people awareness. And, I mean, even my mom brought up the Boogaloo because it hit mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just an avenue for conversation for me. And, um, you know, I do believe in your Second Amendment rights and things like that. But, no, like, please let's not go, go to violent revolution. <laughs> you know, like, I... I do like to still, you know, order pizza online and (laughs) go to the grocery store and not have to wait in ration lines. And, you know, I I think a lot of the people who come across bloodthirsty are young. Like, they don't really know what that feels like. Because, like, true combat vats and stuff, they know. They're like, we don't want. I think that goes into, first, I think the way the government operates, it's death by a thousand guts. Like, there's never going to be a line that they cross to where everybody collectively thinks let's go to war. Like they just, right. Yeah. But there's this in the Liberty community and probably just in general, all across every community, there's like a crisis in belonging. You know, they see these memes, they see this community and that's like a place to belong. Right. Well, oftentimes if you're leaning towards something like that, you are a little bit of a loner um, because you try to fit in with people and you don't they you don't you know if they rub you the wrong way mm-hmm. you can't have the conversations you want to have or you know like you said um before carrie like you're emotionally not in a place to like have those conversations with those people in a healthy way and so you kind of withdraw and do your own thing and then like follow the pages you want and research the information you want so you're kind of in an echo chamber and then this way it helps you though that if you can have those conversations with those people absolutely mm-hmm. great and I definitely am, um, I do not want the bug to happen. I think that um, <laughs> even though we definitely, um, if everybody who owned a gun, you know, if everyone got together, I think that the, you know, that the, the people would win. But I don't think that some people are considering the actual cost um, and not just to them. Because I think some people are like, I'll die. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, but what about, you know, your family? What about your dogs? What about your home? What about people and, you know, and animals that you care about and a way of life? Like, you know, what about those things? And the thing is, is like, it it wouldn't be over. It's not like it's going to be over in a month. Look, look at Afghanistan. Look at Vietnam. You know, we're looking at decades of the battle and and they're not going down easy we know that you know and you know there is a lot of conversations about asymmetric warfare and wouldn't it be the most asymmetric if people came together to communicate and actively starve the state of their income and actively um print guns you know and what mm-hmm. if we have some like a 3D coalition and, and every time they make a law, we release a thousand 3D printed guns into the wild or something <laughs> um, just just to battle against that. But I, I just think that you really have to understand that it would be devastating. You know, there are some people that think that the South still to this day hasn't recovered. And I think there are a lot of indicators that that's true from the civil war, right. you know? So yeah. it's not like this is just going to be some easy. Thing. 
um, it would be a terrible, terrible, terrible cost. And the other thing is that, um, like we have already said in this conversation, it's not like just all of a sudden everyone's going to be an anarchist. You know, everyone's going to agree with you. So even if you did defeat them, there are still going to be other people that think that they need a government. Um, so I just mm -hmm. think that it's, it is an absolute last resort. Well, because the aftermath's not just going to be all violent either. You're going to lose supply chains. You're going to lose medical supplies. Like, you know, how many people are dependent upon medications? Right. And, you know, and, and that's going to stop and that's going to affect people and people are going to die. Utilities. You know, I live in a re region where you will die without air conditioning. So if your power goes out, you know, people don't think of like infrastructure all the time. Right. And how it would affect that. Yeah. Most of the questions from Twitter are just trolls. Like I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> um, okay, I guess. Uh, what are some book recommendations, I guess? That's a good question. Um, I mean, recently, I think a really important book, it's a simple read, is Mary Sabrin's... Um, hang on a second. Let me grab it. I can't remember the title. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why the Federal Reserve Sucks. Um, it, it was, I think, it, yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it was really interesting, and I think it was an easy one, and I think you can kind of recommend it to a lot of other people who might not necessarily be in the liberty movement. And, um, yeah. So that one, I'll, I'll go with that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no Treason, Constitution, Authority, Lysander Spooner. I just... Yeah. I love it. And it's funny too. Like, even though it was written in the 19th century, he's like kind of snarky about it, you know, like it's a fun <laughs> read and it's a short, love it. it's really hard to argue with the logic he presents. So 11 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> For myself, I guess it's not really a libertarian oriented book, but it's called blood in the water and it's about the uprising at Attica prison. Um, I guess I never realized like all that happened, but if you want to point somebody to a book that just shows the system for what it is, that's just, it's an amazing work. I totally recommend it. I can't remember the author's name. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Voluntary? Uh, I will say probably, I think the best one to just like get into it like the anarchy aspect would be um, Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. It's easy, it's quick, it's short. Mm -hmm. You can listen to it in like an hour and it just like gets right to the point and it's just like major red pill moment for me. So I would say that. Um, I actually am not super well read on um, many like anarchist libertarian books. Um, but one of my favorite books that does kind of deal with a small bit of government and things, it's called um, Killers of the Flower Moon. And um, I can't remember the author, author off the top of my head, um, but it's about the Osage tribe, Osage Nation in Oklahoma. And um, it's about the formation of the FBI and how the, um, the deaths of these Native women um, caused the formation of the FBI. Because I'm actually an Osage Native, um, card carrying, thank you. And um, what it, we had gotten mineral rights. We had struck oil on our reservation. And so all these white men were marrying Native women and they came up murdered. Whoa. And they're actually Jeez. making a movie. So it'll be a movie with by Martin Scorsese. And I think um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio will be in it. But Oh, man. 
that's my book recommendation. <laughs> Sounds like one to grab. Yeah. For sure. And Ashley. Um, so I'm also not super duper well read. I'm working on it, but I definitely think that, um, in the fed by Ron Paul is a really good one. Um, I think that yes. for people to be able to just get a basic understanding of like your wealth, your money that you work so hard for is actively being stolen from you. And you don't even know it. And there is no oversight. There is no auditing of this process. What is happening? Like this, I believe, is so important. And the people need to understand that your money isn't worth anything. Like it's a real problem. And for me, um, it is one of the major things that I think about. Um, because, you know, we have these conversations about Bitcoin and um, cryptocurrency and maximalism and, you know, all of these different questions and gold and coin and things like that. And I and I really think that you can meet people um, on an under. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but basically you can get people to really think of how it actually is affecting them. It's actively affecting them, even though they don't realize it. Um, so I think that that is a, a really good book to be able to talk with people about and to be able to have them understand that even if you don't care about all the other stuff, about the injustices, about police, about the prison industrial complex, the military industrial complex, at least you care about your money, right? <laughs> and um, so I feel like that is something that's really important for people to wake up to is the Fed, like what is happening? And I don't think anybody knows, you know, it's some nefarious operation um, and there is no oversight. There is no transparency for the regular person and probably not even Congress, you know? I mean, it's like, really, we all should be asking this question. What the fuck is going on here? I like the asking questions though. You're right there, Ashley, because I even recommend that. Like I work for a nonprofit, I run another nonprofit. And when people donate their money, to certain places, I always recommend that they ask what you're going to do with my money. Like, what are you going to do yes. with my money? How are you going to utilize it? Why can't we ask those questions with the money you forcibly took from me? You know? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And especially people need to have transparency in, in money. And government should be the most transparent thing of all. If 100%. it was by the people and for the people, then the people would be able to know what's happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, they always cry national security and that we're too dumb to handle it. Exactly. Yeah, like we will not understand. We won't understand that there's terrorist threats against us because we've destroyed the homeland. <laughs> um, there was a question that I had in my head, but now I... Um, I guess just like your overall experience in the Liberty community, if you find it positive, you know, just like, I guess it's, I don't know, like how you feel just being a woman in the Liberty community. Um, for me, I, this is Ashley. Um, I think that for the most part, the, the biggest difference for me is because I don't feel educated enough. You know, it really isn't about, um, overall men versus women. Like I'm, I am really glad as Carrie had said earlier 
that there are women in the community. And I think I do feel um, maybe more comfortable, like talking a little more in depth about things with them about it or, you know, that kind of thing, or maybe a little more comfortable. Like if I had a question that I felt like was a stupid question, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe that way I feel a little more comfortable talking with women, but for me, and for the most part, I feel like the difference that I feel is really about my education level in the whole thing and not necessarily about men versus women. Um, because I think there's a lot of like really great guys in the liberty community and they are very, very respectful. You know, the, like the people that I have relationships with and group chats and, you know, things like that. Um, but I, but I do feel also having said that, that there, and I haven't necessarily felt their wrath, but there is a, a group of, you know, males that can sometimes be very, very angry, like more angry at you because you're a female. I really like the Liberty community. I know so many people um, find that the libertarian infighting can be exhausting, but there are just so many intelligent, normal people. Like they're not somebody who has this massive platform like Tom Woods, but they can just recall things like from obscure books and parts of history. And they're just so smart. And I learned so much from them. I really like that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, for sure. I haven't had any like direct negative. It's all been pretty welcoming besides like my few, like my Snapchat boys, but (laughs) beyond that, it's been pretty positive. And you know, there's men like that in every aspect. There's always men who just don't like, cause again, I just had this conversation with BR about mosh pits at punk shows (laughs) and how there's always that one dude that if there's a chick in the pit, he like seeks her out and like wants to punch her in the face cause he thinks he can. So like I've, Right. Like I've had my fair share of black eyes from the pit from that one dude who sought me out because I was a chick in the pit. So if you're a chick in the liberty community, like somebody might go for you just for that. So right. It happens, unfortunately. <laughs> but overall, it's been a very welcoming experience. And, you know, we are a little, we are kinder to talk to more often than not to the newbies. <laughs> I think there seems to be way I've I think probably as long as Carrie we both are like 2011 2012 like Ron Paul people um I definitely have seen more women in a community since like when I first got into it all which is really nice oh yeah I've seen such a growth and I was at um an Arcapulco last I didn't go this year but last year and I gave a speech on like women in the movement and like half of it was kind of like okay dudes like let's figure out our social skills and whatnot but also like (laughs) it was talking about like sociologically like why there aren't more women in the movement and I was honestly so surprised because of the women who were there so many of them came up to me and they weren't even like identifying with what I was saying about libertarians like they were like I they identified with the cultural aspect of it and I was just talking about like how progressives and the left have kind of monopolized female empowerment and whatnot but like it was awesome to have so many women come up to me and like say that they felt it too um and to that end as far as like creepy people you know like (laughs) yeah but I can't say that I haven't experienced that in other communities as well you know like any community yeah 
And it was it was funny because there's this one incident also in Acapulco, and I, like I was on Steam it when crypto was like really surging, and um, this guy like he kind he came up to me and he was like, yeah, well you know it's easy to do well on Steam it when you're a girl, and like you you know, <laughs> and in my head I'm like, well everyone I know on Steam it who's making like quadruple the income I am is like an old dude. Like what are you talking? <laughs> But, you know, again, there's going to be people like that anywhere. It's not specific to the Liberty community. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever had a, a bad experience with the dudes in the uh, Liberty community. <laughs> so, I mean, there are a bunch of them in our local, like, LP here, which I got involved with just to kind of find other people who are Liberty-minded. Um, and they're all really cool people. So I, I can't say that I've had any discrimination or, or whatever. So. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we can wrap it up. Just like, what are your hopes <laughs> for the future? <laughs> Very broadly. <laughs> Anyone want to lead the charge? I'll get it over. Bitcoin. Oh my God, I did it again. <laughs> no, you go first. I'm not going first. You go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just say that I think, or for my hope for the future is that Bitcoin just like blasts off so I become a Bitcoin billionaire. Absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. Agreed. Are you going to say Carrie? <laughs> I was waiting until I was called Pong because I didn't want to drink <laughs> Yeah, so what I'm going to say is like why people call me like a stupid California hippie, but, and I managed to fit two likes into that sentence because I'm a valley girl, but. I realized, I don't know, a few years ago, my biggest issue was always peace. You know, it was very anti-war. And I realized a few years ago, I just want peace in the world and I want it for myself. And my hope for everyone is that we can get that, you know, because like I can go on and on and on about peace and like not using violence to get what you want. But like a lot of the time I wasn't at peace in my own life, you know, so like I think it all goes hand in hand and I would love for like humanity to find peace, not just, you know, not killing each other, but also like finding happiness and like just a way to be in this existence. And obviously I think that aligns very well with the freedom philosophy, but I just want people to be free in all the ways. Yes. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> So I think for me, like, I, I would really like to move more towards, like, school choice and that type of thing. So we get more kids who are um, not necessarily brainwashed in the public school system, but move, moving more towards other types of ways that they're learning. Absolutely. So that would be my hope for the future, because I think that's where it starts, is what you learn and how you're brought up and that whole thing. And I think that's how you can uh, bring more liberty <laughs> to the world. Absolutely. Miss <laughs> uh, Buckles or Ashley, do you have any you get input? I guess. Um. <clears throat> so I think that I guess my hope is to really have a mass awakening, um, because I think that's one of the things that we've talked about, you know, and I've seen others say it, and Empress, I'm pretty sure that I've seen you say it as well, um, but. Once people start waking up, like a lot of people, then we really have a chance at change. We have a chance at all of the other things, at, you know, school of choice, at cryptocurrency, 
at, you know, starving the state of working together to actively starve the state of its, um, of its food, you know, which is our money. And so I really, that's my biggest hope, um, is to have that sort of time when people are actually waking up and actually coming together and realizing that, oh, wow, we've really been programmed to be divided. I guess divided we fall isn't just some, you know, cliche. Like it actually means divided we fall. If people were coming Mm -hmm. together and waking up together and realizing that you're being lied to and that you're being patronized and you're being treated like you can't be responsible for your own life, then we can come together on these changes. That's my hope. Absolutely. Um, Ms. Buckles, do you have anything? Um, I guess my hope would be for teaching and, you know, learning a little bit more like self-sufficiency in several aspects for people. Um, not just like being a farmer, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I'm a big fan of that, but even just in terms of, uh, information and, you know, where you get that, how you find that, because part of the reason for where we're at, when it comes to status and stuff, everybody's like, well, there's, you know, the government will take care of that. You always look to some other entity. You know, I'm a huge proponent for be your own first responder. And if more people mm-hmm. thought that way, instead of looking directly to call, you know, the cops or to rely on this avenue or, you know, government agency to do X, Y, and Z, um, find out for yourself, you know, be an advocate for yourself. Um, that's kind of what, I mean, I do that in my personal life, my professional life. And then now here in the Liberty community, that's what I'm trying to do is you know, take care of yourself first so you can help take care of other people, but stop relying on certain things that do no good really in the long run. Okay. One piece of advice for, you know, people, I guess like for me, consume less. Everybody just consume less. <laughs> That's my parting advice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Obey, consume. <laughs> You guys can all say one piece of advice. <laughs> if I didn't make that clear. <laughs> and then I'll just end the podcast at the last person. <laughs> oh no. Um, I would say if you have kids, maybe try, if, whatever you can do, try to homeschool them or at least keep, if they are in the government school, try to just make sure that they're questioning everything that they're being taught. Because I think yeah, the kids are, like, the future generations are what's going to make all the difference. And I think government's strongest control is through, you know, the education system with the young, with the youth. So, homeschool if you can. Absolutely. I'm going to keep thinking about it. <laughs> and I literally like waited so long this time before talking. <laughs> I was just going to say you could take a second to think about it and I can edit out any dead air. So don't feel like you need to rush. Perfect. I cannot believe I've done this every single time. <laughs> okay. I was going to say my, I'm going to keep up the hippie thing. Try meditation. Like, or yoga, if you're into physical movement, um, I, I know that a lot of people will scoff at that, but if we're talking about calm communication and like, I'm talking about internal peace, even if it's five minutes a day, there are free apps. There's one called Insight Timer. It's amazing. They have 
Meditations for Beginners. There's a wonderful guy on YouTube. His name's Robert Strock, S-T-R-O-C-K. And he like, if you're like not knowing how to deal with emotions, oh my gosh, he's amazing. Like five minutes, 10 minutes, it can really make a difference in your life. And I think just add some more peace and calm to the environment we're trying to work within. That's a really good idea. <laughs> Thank you. I have to meditate. I like for my own well-being. I, I don't have a choice. I have to do it every day. Anyone else? <laughs> my advice would be to like whatever you're doing in this community in terms of is to tailor make it for yourself. So don't look at one person's journey or experience through this and assume that yours has to be that exact way. You know, you don't have to read all the books. You don't have to follow all the right people. You know, you can just do it through those conversations because you know, corny in itself, like, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So when you're sitting here looking, oh, I didn't do this right. Oh, I haven't read that yet. So I don't know, you know, just keep having the conversations and you can tailor that to your own self because everybody's different, obviously. I Amazing. love that. Yep. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, my advice, I guess, is ask questions. If something cannot stand up to questions then that is and should be a real red flag um mm -hmm. you know again i i guess this may be an echo chamber of people that kind of believe and are already asking questions but i think one of the most important things that people can do is ask questions get interested get curious you know have conversations with people that know more than you um and try to pick up the book and try to to research and, and find new information and don't get super comfortable in what you believe because, you know, we have blind spots. There are still people in the Liberty community that I think are really punitive, you know, or maybe even believe in like the death penalty or that kind of thing. And I think that it isn't them doing that on purpose, but maybe they, they haven't continued to ask those questions of themselves and the questions of others. Like, okay, well, we know that we don't trust the state, right? So mm -hmm. why would we trust them to make a decision, a decision on someone's life? Like, there's a real opportunity for error here. And um, so I think that asking questions, and there are a lot of systems, especially in government, that don't want to be asked questions. They do not want transparency and, um, you know, people deserve that. So ask questions to, to work on your own blind spots and ask questions to challenge the systems in place. Absolutely. Yeah, Love absolutely. it. Yeah. And I guess for me, it would just be, um, you know, financially, cause nobody's kind of addressed this, but you know, getting out of debt and that type of thing to set yourself up better and get more into crypto and other currencies, because we all know eventually this will all, you know, fall out and <laughs> house of cards, so, you know, try and exactly. And try and set yourself up for a better future through those avenues. It's a opinion. really good suggestion. Yeah. Very good advice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Get out of debt. That should just be the main message. Yes. <laughs> Get out of all the debt and then you don't have to worry about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't have debt, don't get into it. If don't. You, exactly. you know, if you're it. young, consider 
college might not be the best option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge proponent of trade schools. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to push them lately to, you know, get that out there because a lot of high schools, unfortunately, they push that you have to go to college and it's like that, that's not the only option. So. Right. Yeah. Learn a skill. <laughs> yeah. They probably make more than most college majors. Just saying. Guaranteed. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, how many business majors are out here? Like, uh, well, that was worthless. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Waste of time. <laughs> Yeah, as a business major, I can tell you, yes, it was, you know, I've <laughs> questioned that decision many times. The poli sci major really, really has some, something to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, I'm not dissing on anybody. I wasn't like calling someone out yeah. and talking about myself. I, I <laughs> very few degree or very few professions that make like a college degree worth it um if you're not going to be a lawyer a doctor or something like that just go to trade school or learn a skill yeah i have i had another who do that oh sorry oh no i i have friends who went into trade school make six figures a year and have zero student debt at all that's amazing yeah um, I did have one more um, piece of advice for people, and that's um, if you go out to dinner or something and you're dealing with a server, tip in cash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a simple one, but I believe in it very, very much. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that about wraps everything up. If nobody else has anything to add follow all these lovely ladies on their social media that they plucked in the very very beginning and i'm sure br would love to put all of the links in the description (laughs) if i remember to tell him i'll remember to tell him i really will um (laughs) thanks for tuning in and have a happy international women's day do something special for the lady in your life Bye.